While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. The Gospel of the Lord. You all may be seated. Grace and peace to you all this evening. So you all know that for the last couple years on Wednesday nights, youth lead worship, right? You serve as ushers and as scripture readers, and you also serve communion. I taught la ninth grade last year, and the ninth graders, it was their turn to serve. And I'm going to pick on Tony Sotzer. He was one of the ninth graders, and it was his job to get everything ready. And afterwards, I was like, what did you all learn? And I didn't know what I was expecting, but Tony raised his hand, and he's like, setting up for communion is a lot of work. That, that, it's like, that's what he got out of it. Like, this is intricate. And I got to say, smart observation. Each week, we have communion, and it's a really big thing for all of us to get it ready. And not only is it big, like, logistically, there's a lot going on with God and this meal. And I bet all of you have questions about what this meal is, and what it does, and what happens. And so that's my sermon tonight, is... I am literally just going to take your questions about Holy Communion. I did this on Sunday as well, and here's what I'll say. The braver the questions, the better the sermon, okay? And people, people stepped up. People stepped up. We had great dialogue and conversation. The other thing is, I know we got to end worship at 7, and I'm very verbal, and I like talking about communion, so I am going to set a timer on my phone. <laughs> Um, just out of respect for all of us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, 6.59, we'll, we'll be done with this sermon, right? Yeah, <laughs> we'll be out of here. All right, so we can start simple if you want. Are there any questions about, like, how, do we get, how does this meal get into place? And Angela and Joy have microphones, so they'll come to you. Oh, Alicia has a question. Yeah. Ooh. So show of hands, how many of you had to wait until you were confirmed to take communion? Yeah. Everyone at Mount Olivet can take communion. So you're right, there's a change. So what happened is that we started asking questions. The church, when it has conversations about things that matters, believes that the Holy Spirit is in there in our conversation. And pastors started thinking, well, we have master's degrees, and we, we still don't understand everything about this meal. We, we don't, we're not experts in this. It's still a mystery to us. So why do we think that you need to know a minimum amount before you can take, in, take, take this meal? And then they started having conversations about adults who might have um, dementia, or who might have cognitive disabilities and who couldn't understand maybe even the words. And they said, does this mean they can't be included? 
And then they started saying, well, if we're including these people, why can't we include children too? And so now the rule that we have at Mount Olivet is as soon as you reach out your hand and sense that there's something for you, if you see your mom do it and your dad do it and your sister do it, and you sense, oh, this is what I do, I reach out my hand, there is something for you in this meal. It's a mystery to us all. God gives to us all regardless of our age. So that's the reason of the change. Next question. Joe. Do we actually believe that the bread is the body of Christ and the wine is the blood of Christ when we take it? <laughs> yeah, this is a, this is a complicated question. Um, so what Lutherans believe is that the bread is always bread and the wine is always wine. Like if you look at it under a microscope, you're not going to see human cells. It's not like a, a secret um, transformation that occurs. And we also believe it is really Jesus that we meet in this meal. And that is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And it's something that's hard for us to understand. And what does it? It's not because I'm a pastor and I have magic hands and can go poof, here's a mystery. It's because Jesus promised to show up in this meal. He said, this, you know, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. And so when we, when we meet, Jesus, or we meet Jesus in this meal, and if you can't, if you have a hard time believing that, here's something cool Martin Luther said. He said, if you can't believe that God is in this meal, if you can't believe that this bread is the body of Christ, at least believe that the church around you is the body of Christ. So that's helped me in my faith life, and maybe it can help you too. Who's next? Oh. Yeah, wait, wait for a mic so folks can hear you. So because the bread is holy, when there's obviously like leftovers, right? Do you throw it away, or what do you do with it? Yeah, so... Um, you're right. The bread is, um, we, we treat it with reverence. And it's not because it's more holy or special than any other bread, but it's because um, we've said this blessing over it and, and we see it as now special. And doesn't that make us want to continue to treat it as special? It's kind of like when we baptize a baby. It's not like we're going to stop caring about that baby. It's like, no, we've seen that God is working here in a very special way, and we want to continue to care for it. So we do that with the bread and the wine, too. Um, so there are two things you can do with the bread and the wine after communion. One is that you can eat and drink them. That is totally okay. And if you watch very close, if it's good bread, Pastor Beth and I will sneak another bite while we're up here. Um, so you can watch that happen. The other thing that you can do is you can return it to the earth. So we do this. We take all of our wine and grape juice and put it in a pitcher, and then someone takes the pitcher outside and dumps it on a tree. And with the bread, we return it into, to the earth in kind of an interesting way. We've got a custodian who gathers it up, and he goes outside, 
and there is a family of raccoons that lines up and he throws it out and these raccoons eat eat the bread and what what i say as a pastor is the worst thing that happened to jesus was on the cross right like he can stand the thought of you know communion bread getting eaten by raccoons so god cares for all of creation good question yeah here we go Um, so there have been times where we've attended multiple services on the same day and um, we've had a discussion about is it okay to have communion more than once on the same day. And also my son has been overly zealous and has snuck in line twice one time. Uh, well, yeah, so. yeah. So once per service is probably enough, but again, God is not offended if you want to skip the line and go through twice. Um, Pastor Beth and I commune every time and the reason the reason why is there's always something for us in this meal right we always need a, a, an assurance that god is with us you know the physical nature of this meal does something to us that's why we can do it every week too um yeah is there a certain post-communion um, routine that we're supposed to be going through or that it's we should be going through I notice that everybody as they take communion and walk away they're either crossing themselves mm. or it looks like they're praying um, besides you know the obvious giving thanks is there anything else that should be expected of us um, yeah that's a great question it's kind of up to you for a lot of people it's a super holy moment right these you are being assured that God loves you and God forgives you and it's not someone's words, it's something physical. It's something physical that you can hold on to. And so, yeah, if you want to pray to God, what a beautiful time to pray to God. Uh, some people make the sign of the cross. That helps them remind themselves that, you know, they are marked by Jesus. They belong to Jesus. The same thing we say into baptism. Uh, um, but strictly speaking, no, there's not. I mean, also post-communion routine would be to go and love and serve your neighbors in your everyday lives too that would be a really good thing to do all right uh so when i go to uh, my grandparents church they're catholics so sure. i don't know if it's just like a lutheran thing but when we go to their church they always have these communion wafers why do we not have that yeah so um different churches do it differently and um for a while it was um, monks and nuns in the Catholic Church back when there was only the Catholic Church. They would make the bread and they got into the habit of making it into wafers. And so the, when you got a wafer, you knew where, where it was coming from, right? Um, some Lutheran churches still do this. We choose to use real bread because we want to remind people that this is a meal. God shows up at our tables. The same God who is at this table was at your lunchroom table today, you know? And the other reason we do this is because we want it to taste good. Like, in, encountering God is a joyful thing. Yeah. Where does bread come? Yeah, the from bread that we get it from Great Harvest in Maple Grove. Some of you might go there. We get it every week, and um, 
it is their honey wheat loaf, and you can, you can buy it. So if you ever want to wake up and just, like, pop some, you know, honey wheat bread in the toaster, it's going to feel like communion at Mount Olivet. And that's one of the things that we, we want. You know, this is a meal. Yeah, go ahead, Taryn. I grew up where they passed out the bread, and then everybody took it at the same time, and same with the cups, everybody takes it at the same time. Is there a reason we come forward, or is it... Yeah, yeah, no, it's, um, each church kind of has its own style. I think the reason why they do it that way is because then there's this expression of we are doing something together all at once, and, you know, this is a meal of unity, and so, um, taking it that way might, might help you do that. We think that we show unity in this meal simply by having one loaf of bread. Um, okay, last question. Who's got it? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. Fifth grade anymore. What's the significance of what we do in fifth grade? Yeah, so we take, it's still really important because um, in many ways this is like a meal that you would have at any other table. And in many ways this meal is completely different because it's the meal where we remember Jesus and we remember his life and what he was about. We remember what God did in him and what he did and does for us, giving his own life, giving all of his love to us. And then it's a meal actually of God's future. And we say, you know, maybe, maybe at your lunchroom table, not everyone can fit. Maybe at, your, maybe at your table in your house, there's not always enough food to go around or you're, you don't have enough time. But here is kind of a glimpse of the future that God wants. And it's a future where every single person knows they belong, where every person knows they are loved, where there is room for all sorts of people, and where you know that you're forgiven. So that is my hope for you when you take communion. And may this meal strengthen you. And when you have questions about it, please ask a neighbor, ask your pastor, this is a lifelong journey. That's why we have this meal so much, is because it strengthens us and deepens us and changes us each time we take it. May this meal change you. Amen. Oh gosh, yes. Um, speaking of uh, changing you, we want you to bless that apron out there after the service with your ponderings. Simply this week, what do you notice about communion at Mount Olivet? Let's stand and sing.